I don't know, man. Maybe it's just like a metaphor for my career, but I just can't be bothered. Winner, world's greatest dad. And I'm like, what'd you put that on there for? I've been doing it for so long that I don't even like really feel anything. Oh, there's some open spots. I don't like this. This is not good. Pot's not gonna make you funnier. So the sooner you quit, actually the funnier you get. And don't fuck the staff. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of In the Springs. I'm your host, Ryan Lowry. Thanks for tuning in. On today's show, I sit down with stand-up comedian Sean Kent before his headlining weekend run at Looney's Comedy Corner right here in Colorado Springs. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy because comedian Sean Kent is In the Springs. All right, Sean Kent. Hey, man. You are in the Springs. Thanks for doing this, man. I sent you, tried to catch up with you via <laughs> technology and failed miserably. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't check my Facebook fan page email very often. Cause, so, so note to the listener out there. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just like a metaphor for my career, but I just can't be bothered. <laughs> well, and that's actually, you know, one of the things that, that comes up a lot on the podcast is sort of how stand-up has changed over uh-huh. the years and certainly social media and in you know fans being able to connect with comedians directly i mean how how has that evolved for you and do you enjoy that yeah i do enjoy it because it's like nine times out of ten it's complimentary it's only negative when i say something political on twitter like maybe we should have mild gun control you know and then it's immediately it's i thought this guy was Oh, he says he's a comedian. He's not. He's not even funny. I I looked him up. He sucks. Like, because that I guess that wins the argument. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's usually like a bunch of right wingers like insulting me and like you're not even funny. And I'm like, you're an anonymous account with a bald eagle holding a snake. You know, (laughs) with a shotgun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, like shitting on a turban. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's just. now, do you feel obligated to get into that quagmire, or are you just like, ah, oh, fuck it? Occasionally, I'm not mess I with do. It. When I'm bored, I'll start arguing <laughs> with someone. But then I usually, usually, if somebody's an anonymous account, I just can't, I can't be bothered. I just, I'll tweet them back, and I'll be like, "You're an anonymous coward." So good luck with your anonymous opinions. <laughs> right. Thank you. I don't, I don't never respond if they say something about me. I don't care. I mean, that's the dumbest thing you can do is respond to people. Yeah. Though, because you're not going to convince them, and you're not going to. When the argument, the worst thing you could do to any troll is let that troll know that you know they exist. Yeah. So occasionally it's like a scab that I want to pull off and I can't help myself, you know. Uh, but I always regret it instantly. I'm like, what did I, what did I do that for? <laughs> Nothing to be gained. From, yeah. Yeah. Well, now I did do, um, you know, I, I had hoped that I would have a chance to, to catch up with you when you're starting your week here at, at Looney's. And so mm-hmm. I saw that you're one of... Um, one of a very small group of people who have won the uh, San Francisco and Seattle uh, international comedy competition. Yes, so I did. Congratulations on that. I mean, Thanks, I man. think that you know, certainly from within the comedy world, that's both of those are prestigious events in and of themselves. And then to be associated with with both of those on, you know, as the winner, which is you know, I'm sure you probably even hate that word, but no, you know, I like be... that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't want to be like one of those guys. He's like San Francisco comedy competition finalist in his bio. <laughs> Or even worse, semi-finalist. So, so what did that mean for you, not only you know personally and professionally, but just from a kind of a career standpoint? What did those those events do for you? Oh, uh, 
they're just good to have on your resume. I mean, they didn't do that much. I was already headlining before I won those. Um, made some good money, you know, out of it because you get a bunch of gigs and ancillary benefits off that. And you can sometimes, uh, with the Seattle one, I definitely got a couple like corporate gigs up in Seattle out of it. I think, I think I wound up turning the Seattle one and from like the five grand prize that you win, I wound up making another five on top of that. So it was mostly that. And then it was mostly just to feel good for yourself, you know, because I think when you start off in comedy, you see those, that competition, especially the San Francisco one. And you're like, I'll never, ever win that. And then you go out and you win it. And, you know, well, the Seattle one I won on my first try and the San Francisco one was on my second. I did it in 2004 and then came back and did it again in 2000, I guess, 11 maybe and uh was able to 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 do it you know and it's just it's a nice thing to uh it's a nice thing to have i guess in that little mental place where you keep your self-esteem right they don't give you a trophy uh with the seattle one they gave me a giant check which was was you know what i'm talking about novelty checks like when you win the lottery absolutely yeah so i still have that in my office and with the san francisco one they didn't give me anything except you know a regular size check so I um, I uh, had my wife like make a trophy and surprise me with it. <laughs> so now I have this giant trophy with a golfer on top of it, and it says "Winner San Francisco Comedy Competition, Winner Seattle Comedy Competition," and the years I won it. And then under that it says "Winner World's Greatest Dad," and I'm like, "What'd you put that on there for?" <laughs> like I wanted it to be like a realistic, like it could have been. For the trophy, right, like the, you know like what the I triple mean? crown or something, you know, it would be it, part of that or the well, like, Stanley Cup. I wanted Cup. it to be like legitimately, you could have got this trophy for winning those comedy competitions, but is no, it, it's this world's greatest dad on there. It's just like something your family gave you to make you feel good. So you you're know? going on record that you're not the world's greatest dad. You're comfortable saying that? I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's not about that. It's just I just don't want it on my trophy. <laughs> That's not something you can win anyway. Comedy trophy. You can't even really win like best comedian either. I just, you know, for yeah. whatever reason, the judges picked me because I was, well, I know what reason I was better <laughs> than everyone else that week. So, to, so to back up a little bit, how you know, you know, prior to getting into uh, you know San Francisco and Seattle, those comedy competitions and being a headlining touring comic, how long have you been at this? And and you know, what is what is your your comedic history? I started I when I was twenty two. I moved to L A to be a serious actor, and then. I was working in a coffee shop and they had an open mic and I tried it out and that was kind of that. And, you know, shortly thereafter, I started getting some gigs occasionally. And then it took me about till I was about 26 to make a living. Uh, So been doing it ever since and I'm 41 now. Now, have you kept um, because I know you've got some TV credit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you kind of kept your foot in the, you know, kind of the acting door or is comedy your focus and then Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just did a TV show on A&E. We did nine episodes. It was called Modern Dads and that was on in 2014. So, well, 2013, 2014. And then, um, Always, you know, always looking for the next TV opportunity, whatever it is. But I do live in Austin, and I make most of my money just through, through touring, and I kind of like it like that. Gotcha. So I don't, I don't want to go out to LA and grind it and go on auditions all the time. So. Yeah. So now, how does the the TV part scratch the itch relative to being a stand up comedian? I mean, what what do you get out of of both of those? You know, honestly, if I had just kept doing TV um, in the way we were doing it, which was kind of an improv, is it's kind of an improvised way we were doing it um i probably could have like gone without doing stand-up for years because 
it's I just need to be creative. You know, I just like I like to perform. And as long as I'm performing or being creative or even if I'm writing, but I'm on the set and we're making something because I've written on shows where I didn't need to be performing because I felt involved in it. Then I then I feel alive and I feel OK. And I mean, I think that's why it was easy for certain guys you see once they make it as actors or something like that, like a Steve Martin or somebody to never go back to doing stand up because yeah. it's really just about creativity, you know. What about the kind of the immediacy of stand up? Like tonight, you're going to go on stage here at Looney's, uh-huh. and after 45 minutes or an hour, you're going to be like, "Yep, that went well." Yeah, Whereas with TV, I, it could be I, six months yeah. before <laughs> before you, you know, see the fruits. I'm I've been doing it for so long that <laughs> I don't even like really feel anything. <laughs> you know, like I don't get any adrenaline or any rush or sense of approval. It's just it's fun. But no, I, I don't know. I don't get that. I think I'd rather like to go do a play or something now. Just do something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you have those irons in the fire? Is that something you're actively looking at? Because I think... Um, I've thought about going on auditions and stuff for plays in Austin because there's some really good theater there. Uh, it's just not something that I've really made happen yet. But I, I, I'm definitely going to do that. I've just been so busy with my career you know, of actual paying work. Right, right. That doing a play for scale, you know, whatever that is, 700 a week, 500 a week, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, would that be a challenge for you? Because as... It could be way more than that. I just don't know. But I imagine it would be actors equity off, off, off Broadway pay. It can't right, be that right. much money. So. I mean, from being a, a, a headlining comic on the road, you're in charge mm-hmm. of everything. You're, yep. Would that be a, a challenge for you to be a part of an ensemble where you're not in charge, where they're kind of telling you what to do and when to it be might there. Be. It might be. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. I'm sure in the right situation would be great. I'm sure most situations would be fine. Um, certainly you have to rely on other people more. And if they're not very good, then that's going to be frustrating. You yeah. know, Cause I've gone, I go to a lot of local theater and some of it's great and some of it's terrible, you know? And so if I was stuck in a play with a bunch of people that were terrible and I knew what we were making was terrible, that would probably be, you know, I wouldn't even, you know, you want to invite your friends. You're like, I'm good, but everybody else sucks. And maybe I'd be terrible too. That's not to say, who knows? Yeah. Right. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did win the San Francisco Comedy. There's, there's trophies. There's uh, a yeah, trophy. I have a trophy. This is world's greatest dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually kind of my next question I had for you is you are uh, married with children. Uh, uh-huh. It sounds like you got a bunch of critters at the house, too, dogs and chickens yep. and pigs. I, I, and got, else. I have two dogs, four guinea pigs, and we just got a cat. Gotcha. Yeah. And so how does that balance, how do you strike the balance with that, being on the road? and, and Well, it's not hard. I mean, I'm only when I'm on the road, it's only Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, I definitely had to cut down, scale back. Like, I don't go to England for long periods anymore. I did that a couple times when the kids were younger, and the last time I went, it just got, it was just really hard on everybody, so... And, you know, that's that's something I've, you know, had to give up, and that's frustrating. I do like doing that. But, I've you know, my wife is very supportive, and if I go on a long USO tour, 17, 18 days, we just make it work, you know. But it's – I'm not gone that long all the time for, you know. F- so, I mean, let's say I'm gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three weekends out of the month. Well, then I'm home 21 days or whatever that is, right? Yeah. So it's it's – most dads are – and when I'm home, I'm home. And, and most dads are gone in the morning, and then they don't come home till 6.30 at night, and they don't, they don't see their kids that much. And on the weekend, they just want to relax. And so, you know, I, I, the benefits of this is I get a lot, a lot of time with my kids. I mean, they get home from school. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm the one, like, hanging out with them and stuff. I mean, my wife works at home, too, but she usually wants to get more work done. So I'm, you know, 
I'm I'm in there dadding it up. And, and what does that mean? I mean, are you? Means I'm making them a snack, helping them with their homework, talking about their problems, telling them to do piano, joking around, you know. Right now they come home and they're a little bit older now, so it's easier. They're nine and eleven, so I'm. They come home, I fix them a snack, and then I'll start. They like when I play video games. They like watching me play Call of Duty, so I'll play <laughs> Call of Duty while they work on their homework. Yeah. And then it's like we all just sit in there together and laugh and talk and joke around. And then um, sometimes, you know, obviously don't do that all the time. Right, right. So yeah. now if you could fast forward eight eight years and one of your kids comes up and says, Dad, I'm going to... But then, I, then at the end of that, hold on, I don't just play video games. But I just realized how that sounded. <laughs> then I go make dinner. World's greatest I, I dad, like, my ass. I know, right? I like, you should play video games while your kids work next to you. <laughs> Uh, then I, I play, you know, I like to make dinner too. Like I like to cook. So it's, you know, I make dinner, I cook, I clean, I do all that because I enjoy it. Yeah. So, so to go back to what I was going to ask you, if, if, if one of your kids comes to you, you know, six, eight years from now and said, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the open mic at, uh-huh. at the club. Open mic goes well. They come to you like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to start. Mm, I, I mean, can't, what's I your... can't really say anything about that. Can I? Well, you can. I mean, what would be your, your knee jerk reaction? I mean, obviously you would be supportive. I would help them. Yeah because I didn't have anybody to help me. Like I moved to LA when I was 21 and I made a bajillion mistakes. And my parents basically just kind of cut me out of their lives, except for like when they would come visit occasionally, but they didn't like make sure I was okay, you know, or yeah. give me any guidance Did or you anything find that- like that. And so if they had, you know, like any kind of just parental, like, you know what I mean? It's, then maybe I could have benefited from that, and so I would just help my daughter, and I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could help her be quite successful if she was, you know, if she was talented enough. Which yeah. they're both really talented kids. Did you do you find that camaraderie in in the comedy world where your fellow comedians, like when you were coming up as a comedian, did you have a mentor or somebody that was like, no, hey man, don't forget. no, because I was in L.A. and the open mics in L.A. Everybody hates each other. You know, even like in other towns, open mics is where the scenes are the shittiest and most pernicious and people talk shit about each other the most, which I think is ridiculous because you have nothing to fight for. And then once you get a little more successful, then people are nice. You know, I never have a week where I don't get along with the opener or anything like that, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I never, I, the open mic scene, there was nobody. And LA is a very competitive place. Anyway, you really only have time for yourself. There. Yeah. You don't have time to be mentoring people. So as you were developing as a comedian and getting out of the LA scene, did you sort of recognize that and, and feel compelled to be become that mentor for other comedians or is that something that you um if they are a nice guy i might like give them some advice here or there but no i don't like take the time out to mentor everybody because uh not everybody wants to hear it and you know i just don't have the energy to do that i don't i don't i mean what am i supposed to do like sit down with people every week and change everyone's life like you know i'm just here to work i'm not an evangelist i'm not an apostle i'm not your you know i'm not your father figure yeah i'm a guy you're working with you know and if you have questions i'll be more than glad to answer for him but i i save my parenting for you know my daughters mostly these are these are grown men they can figure it out i'm certainly not going to turn them away if they ask for advice though gotcha well this may sound like a cynical question and I, i certainly don't mean it that way but at this at this point you know being in uh you know kind of the entertainment industry for 20 ish yeah years. something like that what, what do you still enjoy about it i mean what's the the spark for you to to kind of keep things um, going it's it's a great life man i love my schedule it's definitely a grind in terms of like every year you know 
booking your gigs. I mean, did you see the Joan Rivers documentary? Absolutely. She's looking at her calendar. She's been in the business like in 150 years. She's looking at her calendar. Oh, there's some open spots. I don't like this. This is not good. I mean, it's that never ends. Even Meryl Streep is like, I always feel like every movie I get is going to be my last. So there's an insecurity that comes with it. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I like everything about it. I just can't. I can't be bothered to work in an office, man, making something or selling something that I don't care about. Right. Yeah. And I do care about what I do, and I like doing comedy. So, um, I like the amount of free time it gives me for sure. I mean, that free time is not spent doing bullshit that that I care about. It's, you know, like pursuing like, I don't, well, let's go play golf. It's. Basically, I fill it up with being a dad, you know, and yeah. being a good husband. And so, but those are things I like doing. So, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy that aspect of it a lot, a lot, a lot. Well, if you did have an opportunity to talk to a young comedian, they did approach you. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what would be your kind of, you know, broad brush advice as far as, hey, man, if you get into this um, industry. Just, just work hard. Be nice to everybody. Uh, be original. Um, record every set so you can listen to your set the next day. If you're not recording your sets and listening to it, you don't care about getting better and, and don't drink or do drugs. Uh, especially, I mean, if you want to do that in your off time, fine. Drinking's a bad idea if you're in the comedy industry. Um, pot's not going to make you funnier. So the sooner you quit, actually the funnier you'll get. And don't fuck the staff. <laughs> that should be on right. a trophy somewhere, too. Yeah, there you go. World's greatest advice giver. <laughs> Well, Sean Kent, man, I appreciate you doing this. I know I kind of caught you flat-footed when you got into the club tonight. Oh, that's all right. Um, now, where can folks find you online if they do want to track you down if you're on the road? SeanKent.com and S-E-A-N-K-E-N-T.com. I'm at Twitter, at Sean Kent, uh, S-E-A-N-K-E-N-T, although I mostly tweet about soccer, the NBA, and politics. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't sit there like it's, I mean, it's Twitter. It's free. What am I supposed to do? Like be a joke machine <laughs> all the time, all day? You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is hilarious, right? Here's another one. And um, so I just tweet about things I care about, which is fine. And sometimes they're funny, but I think it's a good follow. And um, what else? That's it, man. Facebook. I have a Facebook fan page. I'm going to get better about updating it. (laughs) I promise. Even though I haven't updated it since March. Gotcha. Yeah. But no, I mean, I should. I have... I have a lot of followers on there. I don't know like why. 13,000, I think. Yeah, they must, like they must like someone who's just very distant. <laughs> right? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't respond back yeah, to, their, yeah. to their messages. This guy's too cool for this shit. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. Well, Sean Kent, man, have a great weekend here at Looney's, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, thanks a lot, man. Right, I appreciate man. it. You bet. So there you have it, stand-up comedian Sean Kent. My thanks to Sean for taking time out before his set to be on the show. Thank you to the legendary Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support, and as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. In the Springs is still looking for original intro and outro music, so hit me up if you're in the area and want your tunes featured on the podcast. The In the Springs podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore Metajunk. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the springs.